0: Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Well, in this life of sin, we, uh, we often need stress relief, sleep support, recovery from day-to-day traumas. Like that time there was a cockroach in my apartment. Uh, that will never get over. Mood boosters. Feels like it's kind of in the same category. Or if you know, you're feeling like, you know what? Incredible skincare feels right for me in this moment, which like, is there a moment when it doesn't? I don't think so. There's not a moment where we don't have that, want that, need that, et cetera, which is why we are always so happy. So happy to tell you guys about our favorite, clean, climate positive, family farmed, carbon neutral, and responsibly sourced company, Parima. They have got our backs, obviously And yours too they're in Sephora they're honestly like they're everywhere they're in Whole Foods now so check that out while you are shopping around and faking to be healthy getting those veggies and those fruits just like go to the wellness and beauty aisle because let's be real it's where it's at and get yourself some Prima
2: um no big news you guys Prima is in Whole Foods but we're just we're proud we're proud to be a member of this Prima family And, you know, Prima, we know, has amazing doctor-formulated, clinically validated, high-performance CBD products for the skin, body, and mind. And it comes in so many forms. So they have CBD supplements, they have bath bombs, body lotions, and oils, and also skincare, of course, because we know what my actual favorite is. And we'll get to that in a second. But Prima is really fighting against all the stressors on our minds, our bodies, communities, and the environment, like Sam's Cockroach. And we couldn't be more grateful for, for Prima. And again, we know my favorite is Night Magic. The night oil, it'll change your skin forever. I haven't stopped using it for two years. Vogue even says that they swear by Night Magic. So that's when you know, all right? It's a holy grail. But Prima also just released a new stress relief body oil that literally gives me that same glazed donut vibe that the Night Magic oil does for my face. The body oil does for my body. I've been really dousing myself with it lately. But you guys, again, lucky for us, we have a code for everyone. So Prima is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time 15% off offer with the code GIRLGOV. So guess what? You know the drill. Sam, you're gonna look better and you're gonna feel better every day. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Another amazing episode coming at you very hot right now. We're super excited about this guest, Sam.
1: I mean... Excited is like not even doesn't even cover it. This episode is brought to you by one of our amazing brand ambassadors, Sarah. I think
2: this episode is just brought to you by our brand ambassador program because we have such amazing young women in there, including Sarah herself, who suggested and connected us to this guest today. But you could be a part of it too, and we
1: want you so hit that link in the episode description. Do it, do it, do it. And what you're asking to do is continue to listen to this episode and this amazing interview with Pennsylvania State Senator Capoletti. She is truly an inspiration and provides so many awesome insights into not only what's going on in Pennsylvania generally, but more specifically, what's going on with women's health. We talk a lot about crisis pregnancy centers, abortion access, and some of the legislation that is going on in that state that is limiting women's reproductive freedom. So we get into the nitty gritty, we talk all about it, and honestly, we learned quite quite a few things, which is always a positive, so- It's a blessing. Exactly, hashtag blessed live love laugh but if you haven't lost us after that please please do continue on this journey with us and here is senator Capoletti. so i'm amanda Capoletti. i am the state
3: senator in pennsylvania in the southeast down near philadelphia i'm an attorney with my masters of public health and i've worked for organizations like the aclu of pennsylvania Planned Parenthood of Pennsylvania, one of our state representatives, a strong advocate named Representative Donna Bullock, the governor's office. Uh, A lot of great advocacy organizations, I think is really uh, what got me motivated in a lot of ways. I always knew I wanted to be in policy, in some way, shape, or form, uh, which is what, actually why I got my law degree. I thought it was a really great way to uh, understand policy and the way it interacts with the law and Congress. And now, as I, I learned while in law school and what I'm living now, is with your state capital as well. So I knew I wanted to be there. I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be in politics as an elected official. I don't think everybody always knows that, especially if you don't come from a politically active family. My family always voted, but uh, and we talked about politics at the ta- you know dinner table and everything, but we weren't necessarily um, involved in it at the local level. What pushed me, as it did with I think many people who kind of fall in, that fall into this new area of politics, it was the 2016 elections that really pushed me over the edge. Right? Yeah. The tone, the tenor, and then the results, obviously, um, had a huge impact on me personally. I always wanted to get involved and I didn't know what getting involved looked like, but I was in law school. I was uh, getting my, you know, law school masters of public health. That was all at the same time. So, you know, there was always an excuse. I was undergrad trying to find a job and get started out of, you know, you know, out of all of that. So no time. And then I decided to go to law school. Oh, we'll have to focus on that. So 2016 happened to happen during my last year of law school. And everything just went right out the window for me. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I can't, I, I can't sit by anymore. So yeah. I reached out to a friend who had worked for my state representative. And I said, Hey, I want to get involved. Can you help me make connections? And that very quickly spiraled into, do you want to run for office? <laughs> And yeah, so I ran at the local level and I served in my township as a supervisor on the board of supervisors, really talking about, you know, things that impact incredibly local in my area. And I remember I was, I guess I was in probably my second year of serving in that way. I was working for Planned Parenthood at the time, walking from my office to the train station out in, Har- up in Harrisburg, and I got a phone call. From somebody involved in in politics that said, Hey, do you think you might want to primary your state senator? And I was like, Oh boy. Oh, okay. Now, the thing to know is, yeah, the thing to know is my state senator was somebody embattled in a lot of Me Too type allegations, Me Too allegations, just a lot of stories came out and then his own bad behavior really pushed it over the edge I mean like lashing out name calling Facebook rants letters to local dem you know local dem leaders about how terrible this dem is or that person is and really just really ugly awful behavior instead of just bowing your head and saying, I've made some mistakes and I need to to, to self-reflect and possibly right. being able to move right. through yeah. the allegations. He just made it worse for himself. What so.
1: is with dudes and Facebook? My God. It's <laughs> like the two need to be like separated. Like they cannot be in the same room. Like no, get rid of the keyboard. I mean, like obviously we're happy he's no longer in office, but like just that connection. It just, it never... It never seems to fail to be a disastrous combination. Mm, yeah. No, it's so
3: true, though. It's like there's this outlet for me to just put my, my you know, thoughts all into one place with a stream of consciousness right there. Mm, and you're just like, yeah. that was a bad idea. And it's even worse when they've got such, such an ego where that you're like, you should step that back and apologize. And they refuse because right. their ego won't allow them
1: to
0: yeah
1: I just feel like this is like a great moment to like remind everyone that like the concept that's as old as time of a diary exists (laughs) um you can write all your thoughts out there no one's gonna come at you maybe your mom that's about it like who's obviously reading it but like besides that like that's that's the place but lock it up yeah lock it up lock it up and also just like thank you goodbye sir but back to you know diaries aside you have like gotten this call, which is epic. Also, like, did were you like starstruck for like a second? Because I think I might have like fallen yeah. What inside. was that like?
3: Oh, I definitely walk, like an entire block going. I,
2: yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: I, I really truly didn't know how to respond. Right, and I, I will say to anybody listening, do not go my approach and wait for somebody to ask you to run. Mm -hmm. I I have lived kind of a fairy tale life when it comes to politics where I've been asked twice to run. I listened twice. I did it twice and I've won both times, but like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't wait. Just like, if you think it's your time, like run with it because we need new blood. We need new thoughts. We need diversity of thought in there. Like, honestly, some people are so wrapped in, The machine of politics and the machinations of how it all works and you wait your time and you support people who have been there longer because you know seniority and that's a whole other issue but yeah that that's that's too many people really believe that and we end up stuck in a cyclical cycle a a, a cyclical government that doesn't actually get anything done
2: totally totally well what was that like campaign like too i mean obviously he had his issues but what was the campaign like in the election? Was it close? Also, what is your district like and like kind of what what was that whole process like for you? So, let's start with the district. Yeah.
3: Really truly fortunate. I live in a very progressive district. The Democrats outperform Republicans significantly. Essentially, if you win the Democratic primary in my area, you're guaranteed the win. Especially for this district, that's that's really how that works here. It's a little bit of like Philadelphia kind of has pushed out into the suburbs in that way, right? So that's been wonderful. What was it like campaigning? <laughs> Considering we, I've already told you how vicious he is, and yeah. that actually one of my colleagues he called a toxic hand grenade a female colleague.
1: Yeah. Is this the Jersey Shore?
3: <laughs> like- <laughs>
1: is this housewives like, like, like what's literally going a grenade on? Oh. like that's just immediately yeah. where my head goes which wait is, like, yeah like but like yeah also shows my my age so i'm just gonna leave that there but okay <laughs> so he's heinous we hit him bye
3: yeah <laughs> unfortunately his policies and the way he voted so we're all kind of in this really positive direction like he was a, a at least an outspoken advocate for like legalizing marijuana and uh, medical marijuana and some of the criminal justice reform stuff at at least on the surface it looked good um and if i have to hear one more time why are you fighting him he's good on women's issues i was gonna scream stop it please don't tell me somebody who who has the female genitalia right that a, a male with male genitalia is good on issues that pertain to me because No matter how much of an ally they want to be, they can never actually understand everything that it is
2: that we go through. Well, especially if you have me two allegations against you, like what?
3: Well, that's the whole other thing, right? Like we should be expecting our politicians, the people who are being paid with our taxpayer money, they should be held to a higher standard to behave in a better way than the rest of society. I firmly believe that. like I hold myself to that standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think before I speak when I'm out in public where maybe I'm not I'll admit I like to curse. um, I curse in my private life plenty, yeah. but maybe
2: <laughs> I honestly, I stand politicians who curse like Beto love that. like yeah. I think we need more of it, honestly.
3: i it's I mean, it's it's very real, right? right. you can tell when it's visceral and it's real. yeah. and so like, I'm I'm more pointed about when I do it, especially when I'm speaking on issues or out in public thinking about those things, than maybe I am at home where four letter words are probably every other word, um, <laughs> depending on what's going on. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> so, Same. you know, but like, I, like I think about those things and I think, but I also think about the way I treat others mm-hmm. and we have to expect that and, and this person was not treating others in an appropriate manner and in fact was treating his colleagues fairly quite poorly, to be honest, to two of my, my female colleagues really led the charge in helping to figure out how do we get rid of this person? Because he's a predator. And, and I am so grateful for them and their support and to call them friends now and yeah. to be working with them in the Senate. So that's all well and good, but he had been there for, over 10 years in the state Senate, and then like 12 years in the House of Representatives. So this is somebody who's been around for a long time and he had a fair amount, it seemed like, and I'm just gonna say seemed like, of supporters still. People who were very vocal and wanted it to be him. Mm -hmm. I say it seemed like that because when I was doing the work and making the phone calls, couldn't knock doors. It was a pandemic. So I was on the phone every day of my life for like nine months. But in doing all of that, I found people who weren't involved in politics that knew of him and didn't like him, had experiences with him because they had turned to him for something, didn't like him. And ultimately I won in a two to one margin.
1: Wow. Wow. That is amazing. Okay, if that's not a lesson for everyone to, like, get yeah. over their fear of, like, phone calls, then I know it is so amazing. Okay, well, love this situation, love where this landed us, a.k.a. you in office, which is amazing. I know, and speaking of your connection to Planned Parenthood, have a lot of experience in women's issues, women's health specifically, <laughs> And Pennsylvania has this little issue going on around crisis pregnancy centers. So we want to, like, start with the basics, make sure everyone understands what the issue is, the whole nine yards, pretty much. So what is a crisis pregnancy center?
3: Right. So a crisis pregnancy center is really forced birthing centers is what it is. They are an organization that will open up near. Planned Parenthood or independent abortion providers to try and prevent individuals from going into those offices to seek services, whatever those services might be. Because let's be very clear, Planned Parenthood and independent abortion providers and other organizations like that provide a whole array of services besides abortion. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is. So they try to to steal those people and say, "Come, come to us. We have services for you. We have, you know, we can get you. They'll, they'll put ultrasounds and sonograms available here. They'll use a lot of words without outright saying doctor, nurse, or anything that'll make you feel like you're going into a medical provider. And where you're actually going is into an organization that doesn't hire real medical providers the majority of the time. They have outdated and old ultrasound and sonogram equipment to provide you with pictures of a fetus, your fetus, if that's, if that's the, the where you're going. And then they'll talk to you about all of your options with the exception of abortion and really lay into how important it is about having, a, about carrying to term and having this child. And for some people, maybe that's what they want, right? They want to carry to term. Certainly, we don't, we, you know, absolutely. But the problem then becomes you carried a term, and they say they provide you all of these services like childcare seats or cribs, diapers, formula. And the only way to actually access those things is to sit through a prayer group watch a video some very harmful different things that they'll do so they're really funded by religious organizations that don't believe in abortion and want you to make the choice of carrying to term and will never provide you with real information when they provide you a sonogram or an ultrasound they'll even lie to you about how long far along you are to try and convince you to keep the to keep carrying to term
2: oh my goodness Well, okay. Tons of questions. First one, how Mm -hmm. is this legal? And (laughs) second one, along those lines too, I mean, is this like a state by state thing? And also like, how does this fall into like your job?
3: Right. So it's legal because Republicans, I mean, and I don't mean to sound really partisan here, but I just, I can't wrap my mind around why it's okay to lie to pregnant people. And I guess it's not technically lying. We never said we were doctors, you know, they're wearing the white medical coats. Like they're giving every impression and basically targeting vulnerable populations, people with low income, um, people, people of color, people who don't necessarily have ready access to other types of care. Yeah.
1: Right. So if you're going straight off of like visual cues, like you're sold on, on the totally. product I would I mean yeah it makes sense Especially, no you know, absolutely to and even like, just like the title of it crisis pregnancy center like crisis like the idea that like in a crisis someone's going to help you and mm-hmm. it's like obviously you hope someone helps you but like you also hope that in that concept that they're giving you all of your different options like it's yeah. not just like a one-sided thing so that I also is... don't
2: know like crisis and pregnancy at the same like you know line of words i mean obviously that can be a scary moment for some people if you're not ready but i think like kind of just associating like that crisis with pregnancy kind of needs to also happen because even if you do plan or you do choose to like have an abortion it should be more accepted and not like crisis mode so that women do feel more comfortable doing that and taking that step so i think just like even the word crisis being involved there whether you decide to keep a baby or not is super problematic. No, it it's
3: uh, there are so many things that are problematic with with crisis pregnancy centers. It is unreal what they do, and it's really ha- truly heartbreaking. If, if for me, um, as an individual who knows what organizations like Planned Parenthood do versus yeah. what they're doing, and again, I the social sciences behind like what we yeah. know are best practices because I very much believe in in science and social science and what what we can gain from those.
2: Yeah. I even so, think like mainstream healthcare don't, don't do a great job, like as well as Planned Parenthood. Like I am such a stand for Planned Parenthood, just the way they treat mm-hmm. their patients. And just like they accept you with whatever decision you choose and give you every resource necessary. Whereas like even some mainstream healthcare, you know, providers will be like, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, here's some like prenatals. And they go straight to that option where it's like, wait, wait, I don't know what I'm doing yet. And then you're like, they're like, oh, OK, well, here are some abortion options. No, it's it's so frustrating.
3: So, yeah, you mentioned, Maddie, that is it a state by state option? Like, how does this work? So yeah. it is state by state, right? A lot of what they do is is state by state. So in Pennsylvania, there's an organization called Real Alternatives. And essentially, they're funded through like Religious organizations, I don't want to call it out specifically because I'm not positive if that's the specific one, but a lot of funding comes through religious organizations for them to open their doors. But then what they've also been able to do in Pennsylvania, as well as they had done it in Michigan and a few other states, and they're working to expand their network, is they bid for contracts from the state for family, family planning services. So you guys probably know state money, tax revenue dollars from the federal government, and in many states, not all state dollars cannot be used to provide abortions and cover the cost of abortion care. So what they're doing is providing family planning, which is supposed to be helping individuals understand all of their options to help fa- plan a family if you've had if you're having a child here are your resources that you need to help you with that and you've chosen to carry to term but let's also talk about what we can do to ensure that your state you're spacing children out you understand what contraceptions are available to you all of those different pieces family planning services they apply and and, and reply, respond to requests for proposals to provide those services, and in Pennsylvania under a pro-life democratic governor won the bid for that and it's been put into our state budget ever since that they receive about $6 million in state taxpayer dollars to provide family planning services, which we already know they're not really doing. They don't talk to you about contraception. They shame you into doing certain things and force you to attend religious, you know, prayer groups, et cetera. And about $1 million of TANF funding to go into that as well. And TANF is Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. That's a federal program that each state gets money from the federal government and then determines how to use it to support needy families in a temporary situation. And instead of supporting needy families, we're putting a million dollars of that into anti-abortion work and family planning services. And you guys can't see, I'm using air quotes, as I'm saying some of these (laughs) things to do, to, to do this work instead of, you know, giving it to the mother of three who's trying, just lost her job and trying to figure out, you know, childcare so that she can get to her next job, a job interview,
1: different things like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a smoke and mirror situation.
0: It by absolutely all is. Means.
1: like i feel like that is just like so crazy too because you could even be in a state that you feel like is more progressive overall but yeah. the funding's not necessarily supporting that reputation i feel yeah. like that happened a lot like i'm new york based and there's There have been so many things like that over the years that it's like, oh, it's a progressive state. New York always goes blue. New York's so, like, democratic. Oh, my God. And then, meanwhile, behind the scenes, certain things are still illegal. Certain things are still legal, vice versa. So I think it's always really weird to know, like, where the money trail actually is. And a lot of times it's super surprising. And this is such a great example of that.
2: Yeah, wait, sorry, I have another question too. Can you also, I know you kind of like laid out some of um, that stuff in like Pennsylvania, but can you also just kind of lay out for people who are kind of confused maybe by like women's health on the federal level versus the state level and like, you know, what say you have as like your jurisdiction is as a state senator and what kind of policy you can per- like implement versus like what the federal government allows or, you know, that kind of layout. Sure, so
3: the federal government kind of sets the bar, like the low bar of what can be done on certain issues. A lot of times what they do is they provide they provide a funding stream for states to determine how to best address their problems. So we'll take TANF as an example. That is a pot of money that each state gets to determine how best to assist their, you know, their needy families, the families that are in greatest need in their, in their states. In doing so, the federal government sets restrictions on how that money can be spent. So the government can say, here's this pot of money that is meant to address maternal mortality, which is a huge issue. But in doing that, you can't spend any of this money on abortion care which is essentially the Hyde Amendment. I don't know, that's been a big talking point from the federal government lately. That's essentially the, the Hyde Amendment has been in every budget up until just this year, which says that no federal Medicaid dollars or federal dollars at all can be spent on abortion care here in the United States. And then it's also applicable in anywhere else that we spend, that we spend money or, or offer aid and assistance to in other countries. So they can put that restriction there. What we're seeing right now is a Congress who's acknowledging that that restriction has actually aided in high maternal mortality rates. So they're trying to remove that restriction. So if you think about your Medicaid and and in fact, this is a great example. Let's talk about Medicaid. We know that that is a federal program for health insurance. Right. Each state gets to decide how to implement different pieces of it. They have a couple of different pieces that you can change around to implement. Right now, as it stands, Medicaid offers care for pregnant people up to 60 days postpartum. So that's 60 days after you've given birth, the mother or the birthing parent can get additional coverage, health care coverage from Medicaid. But if they don't qualify for Medicaid after that, they get cut off of all of their benefits and don't get to seek any additional doctor's appointments that would be covered by Medicaid. With the American rescue plan that they just passed with all of that money that we got from the federal government, they also put into that. So that had not just the money that we got, but different pieces of programs that we can expand. In Medicaid, they said each state can decide, they have the ability to decide to expand postpartum coverage from 60 days to 12 months. And in doing that, You are addressing maternal mortality rates, infant mortality rates, overall public health. You could be addressing uh, substance use disorders. You could be addressing mental health disorders in that whole spectrum of care for that 12 months for that person who just gave birth and their infant.
1: See, like that is game changing in so many ways. And it's interesting too so I was literally I was like home visiting my parents and helping them clean out their garage which let me tell you is like this thing needs to be on hoarders like that show on TLC (laughs) it is like set for that in these heinous old boxes like whatever we found it was like all of my doctor's appointments from like my first year out and they go a first year out right it's like literally like okay you need to feed her applesauce which must be why I hate it now Hate, 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 hate. It's like had colic, like feed applesauce, like six months, like whatever it was, and it went all the way out. So between that and that ability, I'm now a healthy-ish human and adult, and then <laughs> healthy-ish, <laughs> emphasis on ish. But regardless, <laughs> too much to bolt light. But outside of that issue, there was also like the cost. Like I literally saw like this is 1993, and I have to again totally date myself. But it was over $1,800 with insurance for my mom to be discharged from the hospital, like Mm -hmm. two days later, like absolutely insane to me. So I'm like, okay, add that for current like inflation where that's at now. And if you're not covered, what's the reality? What's the track for both the mom and the child? Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like that's Mm -hmm. so scary to me that it was only a certain amount of days previously. And even like with this rescue plan, right, it's 12 months now, like hopefully like this gets renewed and it's a continued thing, but like blows my mind. Right, right. So but the thing to remember
3: is states have to opt into The 12 months it's not just an automatic thing Mm, states have to submit it's called it's called a state plan amendment so in order to get medicaid funding you have to submit a plan on how you're going to you know use this funding who you're going to support etc you have to amend that to include this the the 12 months for the mother now the infant continues to have care under medicaid as well as you could have chip there are multiple programs that ensure up until the age of 18 there's coverage for uh, children so it's really folk but what most people don't understand is how intimately tied the health of the birthing parent is and the infant and what happens to the infant like if there's something going on with the birthing parent then you know that that impacts the infant detrimentally whatever negative thing totally. is going on here so if, so if birthing parent has opioid use disorder or substance use disorder has a mental health issue then you know the life and well-being of that infant suffers as well mm-hmm. so this is this these two things are so intimately tied. So it's not just important that the infant has coverage, it's so important that the birthing parent has coverage too.
2: Yeah, 100%. Totally. And we can't fully always rely on some other states to implement these things from the federal government that would be helpful. So that's where the that's where the issue is usually, right?
3: No, That's exactly what it is. Not all the states are necessarily going to expand their coverage. And uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, we're really trying to we've been taught the governor's really on board with it. And I believe they're going to take that that step in Pennsylvania to do that as well. But, you know, at the same time, there's also some back backroom deals or conversations that have to happen to. calm down perhaps some of the more extreme republicans who don't think that this is something we need to be doing
2: yeah well circling back to crisis pregnancy centers 40 percent of those based in pennsylvania promote unethical experimental practice on pregnant people called abortion pill reversal what does that mean i'm scared can you explain what this is (laughs) I mean, you, you should be scared. I'm scared of it. Like I like I said, I believe
3: in science. And uh, before we even get into this, there is no scientific validity to abortion pill reversal. Absolutely not. There's no science there. Load of BS. So if you don't know anything about how abortion, uh, medication abortion works, medication abortion is with two pills. You take one the day you go in, and then there's one that you're given to take maybe like 48 hours later a few you know a couple days later i don't quite remember the time frame mm-hmm. but what they're offering is if in between the time you take the first pill and the time you're supposed to take the second pill you change your mind we have a way to reverse that for you and it's like literally not true as so what i said would even there's be no- the
2: point of that since they can't even achieve what they want to achieve with reversing an abortion like why would they even what, for money or something? Do they have to pay for it?
3: I, that's a great question. I don't have a very good answer for like, you. What's the other...
2: incentive of like a fake reversal? pill, Like the abortion still is going to happen likely, right?
3: I think the, I, I, it's just their way of really talking down abortion, shaming people who choose abortion. I, I think that's kind of the key to take out of this is everything that they do and say is aimed at shaming people who choose to end a pregnancy for whatever reason it's none of your damn business why right whatever reason you shame that person Mm -hmm. and that's really what this is this is aimed at doing they talk about having this they attempt it it's not ethical there's no proof but in doing that you also don't take the second pill and finish out your abortion so I guess in somebody's mind you know there may be a chance that the fetus could continue to grow. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's actually, you know, if it's still there, if it grows and turns into, you know, a thriving baby, okay. I, I there's just, there's nothing sound. And the FDA is not interested in this. Like they have, they have said that this is dangerous. The, what ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, all of the 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 professional medical organizations speak out against this and say that this is unethical, there's no science, absolutely not.
1: That is just wild, that's such a thing. There was a whole review recently that said, like, Pennsylvania was, like, one of, like, the worst offenders of this, like, had the second highest rate of promoting this. What's the deal, like, what's, like, the the demographic on this in Pennsylvania?
3: Right, so you would think that in Pennsylvania, we were some crazy pro-life state, the way, you know, real alternatives and crisis pregnancy centers behave and the fact that we really push this out there. But in actuality, when you look at the the statistics, when you look at the surveys, it's something like 70 some percent of Pennsylvanians really don't want the the state legislature interfering with all of this anymore like they just it's good the way it is it's not great I got problems with our current setup but I'm also like crazy liberal progressive person that's like get out of my business all of the time I don't care where it's at but yeah so you would think the way this is that's that's what it sounds but really what it is is certain organizations have money and therefore can be very loud about this and can push these things in ways that other organizations without that without money can't and that doesn't mean that the rest of Pennsylvania agrees with it it's just unfortunately the platform that they have and they can make it look a certain way
2: yeah god it's crazy well, what kind of legislation is currently, you know, in motion in Pennsylvania related to women's health? Are you working on anything or what else is kind of, what, what's the, oh gosh, <laughs> oh no, oh no. She has head in hands right now at that question. So like
3: many states, we have the six-week abortion ban. They'll call it, and I don't, I really don't want to repeat their rhetoric, but to help people understand, they call it a heartbeat bill. Yeah because they want to tug at your heartstrings and think that there's something there that is alive and thriving. At six weeks, it's as big as maybe a blueberry, if that. What you're hearing when they call it that is really it's electrical activity that will eventually develop into a heart and the heartbeat, but there's no heart for there to be a heartbeat. So it's a six-week ban, and oftentimes it pu- it puts people in uh, scenarios where we would ban them from being able to obtain an abortion before they even know they're pregnant. We have uh, a reason-based ban. So currently, in Pennsylvania law, you are prohibited from getting an abortion if it's based on the sex solely on the sex of the fetus or the gender of the fetus. Or I guess that's sex. Gender is an identity, but. <laughs> but so that that's in the law and essentially what they're doing is expanding that taking the word solely out of there so if the sex of the fetus or if the fetus has the the, uh, down syndrome diagnosis and in your diagnosis of that you are prohibited from getting an abortion if either you know if either of those two things plays into your decision of why you want abortion which is um awful because it's nobody's business and really what we're doing again is setting people up for scenarios where they're not going to be successful maybe a family is already struggling with three kids and a fourth child with down syndrome would just you know be incredibly dangerous and detrimental to the whole family and they make a decision to, to not carry it a term because of that and uh, you know nobody says the th- the rhetoric is well people with down syndrome live these these thriving beautiful lives nobody denies that but somebody should have a choice on whether or not they are able to support having a child with that need or whether or not they're able to support having a child at all in that scenario. So we have that uh, coming through. And then we have another one that hits close to home and very personally for, for, for me. And that is, it's called the, the fetal remains bill. Essentially this old man in the house Decided based on his experience with his wife in like, I don't know, 60s, 70s, whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm being rude, but I'll take it. But from, from a long time ago, that this bill would require from conception on any, whether it's a miscarriage or an abortion, doesn't matter. And the, the, and the end of any uh, pregnancy must either be cremated or buried. And and really, the thought process, at one point, he was quoted as saying, think of the, the fathers. Think of
1: the men and how they must feel.
2: Oh, God. Um, I just got nauseous, like, fully.
1: Like, then you should have worn a condom? I don't know like, how to help you, sir, like, to begin with. Like,
3: here's the thing. Even for those people who chose with their partners right, to attempt to start a family and... Something didn't work. You're right. miscarrying. The fetus isn't viable, whatever that might be. Your responses, think about them. Let me tell you, we do think about the, our partners in those moments. It's yeah. not just about, like, yeah. it, it's the most, it doesn't solve a problem. People could do this even if they, you know, at any point if they wanted. Like, this isn't solving anything. This is just like forcing. The way that he and his wife wanted to grieve onto all of Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what it's really does the way it's written is it creates personhood language for a fetus mm-hmm. from the point of conception. And in creating that, that is one step, one goal, one small step to, to that goal of banning abortion because it's person and then it's murder, right? So those are the really negative things. And I would love to give you guys some positives.
2: That's what the switch.
3: <laughs> Most of the positive things don't really get to move. Generally speaking, I can say that there's some legislation out there to, to require milk banks be covered by insurance. That that's just come out there, which would be wonderful. There are uh, pieces to, I've got something out there to end the shackling of pregnant people, uh, pregnant incarcerated people. <laughs> Because that's a thing that unfortunately happens far too often, and we have a lot of a lot of little things out there to help address maternal mortality rates in Pennsylvania. To require partners go through some training and get help to understand the signs of uh, postpartum depression. So there are pieces like that, and then there's also legislation out there to end non eventual bodily exams. So in some of the training hospitals, you could have a vaginal exam or a rectal exam while you're under anesthesia and not know it and have never consented to it. So we have legislation out there to try and end that. We also have legislation to teach informed consent to uh, young people in colleges, because that's really important towards ending violence, gender violence. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are some good pieces out there that we'll hopefully see move in the near future. Not a lot of them, not enough of them. I do hope to introduce something called the Reproductive Freedom Act, which is exactly what you're thinking. It's a really expansive piece of legislation that helps to, you know, keep legislators out of doctor's offices, regardless of what procedure we're talking about when it comes to reproductive health, because far too often especially for women and femme identifying individuals those of us that have vaginas however you identify if you have a vagina you know far too often legislators just want to be in there for some reason and telling you what should or should not happen to you and your uterus or Mm -hmm. vagina
2: totally well i have a question this cremation burying situation bill Mm -hmm. where like what kind of How would that stand in Pennsylvania, like in, you know, your Senate there? Like, is that actually something that could pass or is that like a little bit on the extreme of like what's going on and like where people stand on the issue? Like, where does that lie, like politically?
3: Unfortunately, so in Pennsylvania, we have a Democratic governor, you know, thank you. We're very (laughs) grateful, very thankful for him, as well as our attorney general, who's also a Democrat. But our House and Senate are held by Republicans. So these things do often move and end up on the governor's desk. And the governor, you know, a huge supporter of Planned Parenthood, has worked as a volunteer there in the past with his family, you know, his wife, his daughters, all, all of that. So he stands uh, against those bills and vetoes them every time they come through. But unfortunately, these things have moved through, the, through both legislatures, both chambers in the legislature in the past. And we're just really grateful that we have a governor that has vetoed them every time. Wow.
1: Goes to show how important it is to show up for every election, governors included. My Lord. Okay. well, one last question, then we have another segment. And that is for anyone in Pennsylvania or outside of Pennsylvania that wants to dive in hopefully prevent some of these bills from getting passed what can they do we're also on the flip too for some of the positive things that you were just mentioning what can they do to push those across the finish line
3: reach out to you I, it, you're going to hear this from everybody reach out to us um let us know where you stand it may not make a difference for all of us uh in the legislature but there are enough of us where it can make a difference uh, a big difference it does impact me when somebody comes to me with a personal story and some some science behind it, or they talk to me about how important this is, uh, different things are to them, uh, it really lets me know, okay, these are the things I need to be fighting for for my district. So reach out to those people, get involved with different organizations, Planned Parenthood has some great different things that you can do to, to volunteer to support if you're interested in that type of thing, Common Cause, Is another great organization that you can find in most states that really works towards a a positive functioning government and transparent government and I think that's really key because we most of us don't have transparent functioning governments if there is such a thing anywhere I'm not sure it's debatable. Yeah, it is. But I, I, w- I would suggest look for look for organizations. If there's a topic you're really interested in, reach out to your legislator, tell them what's important to you, and then Google and then put in your zip code, put in your state and see what organizations you can find that are working really hard on it. The ACLU, it's another great one to get involved with. They do a lot of advocacy work. So there's, there's some great organizations you can get involved with outside of just reaching out to your legislator that can help direct and focus your work and and your passion to make sure that your voice gets heard totally but that
2: that is it for for our episode with you today shout out to sarah by the way and shout out to our brand ambassador program sarah is one of our beautiful brand ambassadors who literally set this interview up for us today so shout out and if you want to join the program go to the episode description but thank you so much again for coming on today. Is there any like plugging we can do for you? So like where people can find you, like your website, all that stuff, social media.
3: Sure. So my official stuff all involves my last name. So it'd be like at Sen, S-E-N, Capoletti. And instead of spelling that out for you guys, check the, the the description of the podcast because they'll have that there. Yeah. But it is the Italian Mississippi, got all kinds of double consonants in there. So you can find me there. But if you want to follow my campaign stuff, which is still active because I can be a little sassier on campaign stuff,
1: yes. uh, it's Amanda PA And that's F-O-R. Amazing. Well, we will check it all out. Everyone drop in, say hi, all of that good stuff. But thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure.
3: Thank you guys so much. This was great. I love your podcast and what you guys are doing. I hope you guys all subscribe and keep up with uh, local politics and national politics.
2: Yes. Thank you so much. Top stories of the week. We're back. And we got a few stories here for everyone. And this first one is one that just makes me proud. It makes me happy and giddy. Dr. Fauci just really had me blushing even more than usual today because he just stepped out and... He stepped up
1: and he stepped out.
2: He really, truly did. And I'm just like, I just love him so much. So Dr. Fauci angrily confronted Kentucky GOP Senator Rand Paul, who he is...
1: On the shit list, I would say top five in the Senate, mm. right? Mm. He's he's definitely in the slime bucket category. Like, if we are bringing back the sliming of Nickelodeon, like, he is top of the get slimed.
2: 100%. I mean, yeah. And
1: I just couldn't have
2: asked for a better hero today than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Because on Tuesday, in testimony on Capitol Hill... Dr. Fauci basically was fully rejecting Senator Paul's insinuation that the U.S. helped fund research at a Chinese lab that could have sparked the COVID-19 outbreak. So Senator Paul suggested that Fauci had lied before Congress back in May when he denied that the National Institute of Health funded so-called gain-of-function research the practice of enhancing a virus in a lab to study its potential impact in the real world at a wuhan virology lab so u.s intelligence agencies are currently exploring theories that an accidental leak from that lab could have led to the global pandemic but fauci basically came in hot at senator paul and was like enough with the bullshit he said quote he didn't actually say that but this is what he (laughs) did. This is what he did say, quote unquote, I have not lied before Congress. I have never lied. Certainly not before Congress. Case closed. And then he continued on to say, Senator Paul, you do not know what you're talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you're talking about. If anyone is lying here, Senator, it is you.
0: Oof.
1: Can we just? Oof. Mama mia i'm all i'm all i'm hot like literally <laughs> i like watching the video to guys like look at like some of the clips like all over ig we have it on our story right now i think it'll probably expire before this episode drops but like it is just like so on point like it is just the most it's a katie porter he honestly pulled a katie porter i just Yeah,
2: the video is even better than me just saying that right now because seeing Fauci just get heated like that was something I never thought I'd see, but I couldn't be more grateful I got to.
1: Heated, but on point. 100%. Like, that's, like, that's what, like, is so effective about it. It's, like, and also goes to show, like, he never gets heated. So, like, to push him to that level, damn. No, yeah, he's kept his cool and
2: like really just has had the thickest skin for the past year and a half or however long we've been, you know, in this. And he had a moment where he just needed to let, you know, let some steam out. And I respect the hell out of him because Senator Rand Paul, like him, Ted Cruz, Mitch McConnell, like those would be the best people to do it. at. And I'm just I'm forever grateful. I'm forever proud of our hero and our savior, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Wow.
1: We have a new religion and it's Fauciism. So anyways, if anyone would like to join this community, LMK. But we will move on to our next story, which involves Senate Republican leader, in case you were forgetting his title, good old Mitch McConnell, implored unvaccinated Americans Tuesday, aka yesterday, to take the COVID-19 shot, issuing basically a stark and grave warning of a repeat of last year's shutdowns if people refuse to protect themselves from the coronavirus, which just like, it is whatever. You know what? I'm not even, I'm not even gonna my opinion here. McConnell urged Americans to ignore the horrendous advice that's been coming from pundits, which if you wanna know what a pundit is, maybe recommend our Patreon channel, which will be dropping in the coming days, and others against the vaccines, which is very funny considering some of those are friends with others that have gotten vaccinated. Thinking those Fox and Friends, Trump himself, just kind of interesting. Basically, his caseloads skyrocket, he's been noting that nearly all of the new virus hospitalizations in the U.S. are amongst people who have not been vaccinated. He's not the only one noting this, but he is bringing attention to it, which is interesting given his following and whatnot. So he said specifically, if there's anybody out there willing to listen, get vaccinated.
2: How does it feel Mitch McConnell to have to deal with these people who won't fucking listen about masks and vaccinations? Fun fact, Mitch McConnell actually had polio back in the day. That's just what I was going to bring up. Yeah, that's why he stands on this line. And so he he dealt with, you know, needing to get a vaccination back in his his old day, which also like just hearing, I don't know, polio to me sounds like 5,000 years ago, doesn't it? But he's
1: ancient. He's a gobbly turkey.
2: I think he's lying about his age and he's actually
1: 115 years old. Look, I cannot confirm or deny that conspiracy theory, but I will take it into consideration. So what he also said on this, kind of is potentially a result of this, but generally is these shots need to get into everybody's arms as rapidly as possible or we're going to be back in situation last fall that we don't yearn for that we went through last year. This is not complicated. I also love that he uses the word yearn, like as if it's like, I don't know, 1850. Like I literally- I actually
2: use that word a lot,
1: which is weird. Oh, wow. Are you like on a covered wagon out to Oregon? I mean, maybe. I feel that. Regardless. McConnell has been one of the most outspoken members of his party in urging for vaccination, stop the virus spread, speaking often in his home state of Kentucky, pushing people to get the shot, which is really interesting. but I, you know, I feel like people are uh, not listening. But we'll move
2: on. Well, are we even moving on? Because we're talking about the infrastructure bill again. <laughs> so
1: another update. We're moving backwards. We're, we're circling around the, uh, the landing pad.
2: Yeah, so we have been very much obviously keeping our eye on this infrastructure bill. And so this bipartisan deal senators have brokered with president joe biden is hanging precariously ahead of a crucial wednesday test vote as senators struggle over how to pay for the nearly one trillion dollars in public work spending so senate republican centrists are calling senate majority leader chuck schumer to postpone a key vote on this bipartisan infrastructure package until monday to give negotiators more time to reach a deal. Schumer has scheduled a procedural vote on a motion to begin debate on the infrastructure package for Wednesday, and Republicans say he will not have the 60 votes needed to proceed. So Senator Susan Collins, she is a Republican from Maine. She is often, you know, kind of a swing vote in the Senate. She's more moderate, but she said, my hope is that Senator Schumer will agree to postpone the vote. We're making significant progress and as the deadline approaches the liberals patience is all but exhausted and they're calling on Schumer to dismiss the temptation to exp- to extend the negotiations window and instead prepare to like really go it alone at this point because i mean we've been talking about this
1: bill for a few months now so i would put it in the category of like i'm so bloody tired of talking about it give me a freaking fixed bridge road and more. Thank you. And some climate change solutions. Yeah, considering I'm currently choking on air on the East Coast due to things happening on the West Coast. Love that. Love that for us. Love that. It's cute.
2: It's cute. There's climate change happening all over the place this summer. So I think it's time. I also think it was time 20 years ago, but here we are. We'll keep updating everyone on this story and on this bill. There might be some headway this week due to this vote expected to wednesday but we'll we'll see what happens and we'll keep you posted we will
1: and then i this was like a really interesting little very some tea yeah like little blop is what i want to call it which is like not a word but like i'm gonna make it anyways so interesting this ex-Trump advisor, Thomas Brock, not to be confused with our boy, Barack Obama. Our Str- Brock. Oh, miss him. The OG. What a, what a champion. But this guy, this guy, Thomas Brock, not so much of a champion. But he was charged with secretly lobbying for the UAE. He is a close ally and former campaign advisor to former President Trump. And he was arrested. Arrested and put those cuffs right on him and charged with several criminal counts over allegedly working as an undisclosed foreign lobbyist on behalf of the United Arab Emirates. Federal prosecutor said this dude, who is a wealthy private equity investor, by the way, I exclusively seem to only date PA guys, and this is a great reason for me to stop dating guys in PA. But anyways, now that we've gotten that red flag out of the way, he has also served as the chairman of trump's inaugural committee got a little party planner and worked to influence his 2016 campaign and later the administration to push for policy proposals that were favorable to the uae so he was like doing some things he was busy i'll give him that but Basically, let's let's get the gist, the comment from the acting head of the Justice Department's National Security Division. So, Mark Lesko gave a little state and he said the following: The defendants repeatedly capitalized on Barack's friendships and an access to a candidate who was eventually elected president, high-ranking campaign and government officials, and the American media to advance the policy goals of a foreign government without disclosing their true allegiances so can we say mm, shady for 500
0: thank you
2: super shady and can we just say crime like there it is another one bites the dust in the trump camp and it's just it's telling let's just say that let's just say that
1: it's telling, and you know what that reminds me of and i feel like this is the perfect closing note Makes me miss how The Daily Show, how Trevor Noah had that little bingo board of people in the Trump administration, and any time anyone got axed, it was like an ax through it, like, who can get bingo? And I just, Yeah, my family played that. It's excellent. It's a great game, fun for the whole fam. Like, you (laughs) know, it really... Good family fun. Good family. So wholesome. So I just, like, I feel like there should be, like, a post-administration one,
2: you know? Totally. But all right, you guys, those are our top stories. And that is this episode for this week. I hope you all enjoyed. Again, just another shout out to our brand ambassadors. Shout out to Sarah for setting up this interview today. And if you want to join our brand ambassador program, there are like no prerequisites. We just want to build this community. If you love listening to this podcast, Come on over and be a brand ambassador, and we would just love to have you. We're building community. We are providing resume boosters. We are creating content, all the fun things, so join in. The link is in this episode description to learn more and to sign up, so do it. What are you waiting
1: for? Um, My food to arrive via Seamless, but... (laughs) Okay, well, that is it.
2: For this week follow subscribe rate review again if you haven't left a review in a while like i think it's time follow us on social media dm us with all your questions or topics you want to see covered guest suggestions all the things or just chat us and ask sam for dating advice uh, but not <coughs> me <laughs> i hope you guys have an amazing week and we will be talking to you all next wednesday